This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of Coruscant Radio Underground. It's been a while since we did YouTube. I guess we it's did been some. A minute, yeah, I guess we did some Book of Boba Fett stuff for for Coruscant Radio yeah. Underground, and yeah. hopefully, people will figure out that Coruscant Radio Underground exists on this YouTube it channel does. as well. Uh, that all the science fictionary stuff falls under the science, you know, under this banner, and it's all here. And uh, and we're the same people. Same people. Yeah, we are. Some people don't know. If there that. is people. It's kind of funny. It was in like the same way it always threw me whenever I would meet people like once we were married and be like, oh, wait, that's your sister. It was like, well, duh, that's my sister. Like, how did you not know that? I feel the same way. People like, oh, that's your podcast. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it makes sense that people miss the memo, but I, I mean, it just seems so obvious to me. That well, no, I mean, I, I assume that people that don't realize that Coruscant Radio Underground the Science Fictionary Podcast are the same people just haven't listened. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's true. So. Makes sense. Not a lot of uh, Mississippi accents oh. in the Red 5 Network. It's true. Um, just, it's the, true. just the one. Just the one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, David and I are from Louisiana, but, you know, it's still, still kind of Southern. That's true. But yours, yours is yours is a little more distinctly Mississippi though than ours, <laughs> I think. Uh, but we're going to talk about Kenobi episodes four and five tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did one, two, and three. We were just coming off Star Wars Celebration. We were coming off uh, Marisha coming back from working a job. There was a lot going on, and we just weren't able to pull off the whole YouTube thing for that one. Yeah, David went like got a life, got a girlfriend, going on work trips. That was the upside, though, is that David actually recorded with us because we did it on the podcast. We recorded in what was normally one of our science fictionary slots. Right. That's true. And David was able to record with us. So um, you don't often get to hear David talk about Star Wars with us. So, yeah, it's always it's always fun. Yeah, it's it's different. He's got a very different uh, view on it than me because he I mean, he's you know, he's kind of like you, but even even more to an extreme of like. You saw the originals first, but the mm-hmm. prequels were really where you mm-hmm. fell in love with it. Right. But the prequels were the first thing he probably ever remembered of Star Wars. Yeah, probably. Um, because they were all out by the time they were. Well, no, he was born before they were all out. Um, yeah, probably. But he would barely. have been really young when they were coming But he out. wouldn't have remembered. But like they were relatively new when he was a kid. Like the Clone they Wars would have been, would have been, ones, been on yeah. when he was a kid. So, um, so those are available on, on the podcast. Uh, it's one episode. We did all three episodes at once because Mm -hmm. the first two dropped while I was in Anaheim and, Mm -hmm. and uh, I was working and you're working. So we didn't get to record. So, uh, we did do an episode there. Sorry, there wasn't a YouTube episode, but, um, we're going to do episode four and five tonight. Yes. Um, we were supposed to do, oddly enough, we were supposed to do those separately too. And everybody in the house has taken turns being sick this week. So fun. Having kids is the best. Well, it's like I jinxed <laughs> it the other night. I said, all right, kids, because if you've ever listened to our show, you know, we do the Padawan report, uh, which we haven't done in a while where the kids really want to do it. We're kind of trying to get it going again, which is where we talk about all these things that we love with our kids. 
the cousins were here. And I was like, okay, it was be a thing. this week we're going to start, we're going to do new episodes of the Padawan Report for Obi-Wan and Miss Marvel. And people started dropping like flies, like sore throats and everything. And no, then like, talk. We, they would get to the, and then the first one who you thought was already well would start off sick again. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I, I've even been sick because I was going to record some stuff on my own and I haven't been well enough to do it. Um. So, but here we are. But we're back. We're back. And I'm going to open this drink. It's probably going to be noisy. It wasn't that bad. Um, so let's just kind of um, start off with just kind of general thoughts. So, you know, at this point, five episodes in, we got one episode left. Rumors floating around right now is it's going to be about an hour and a half long, uh, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm all kinds of down for that. I wish more, I wish more of these limited series shows would mm -hmm. shoot for a big, movie length kind of finale. feature length finale mm -hmm. um and i mean an hour and a half we don't really consider an hour and a half feature length anymore hardly because yeah but i mean some of your greatest movies are... right well all the ones we grew up with in the 80s and 90s were mm -hmm. you know 90 to 100 minutes right um it was weird when they went longer than that yeah like i remember as a kid like the movie is an hour and a half long it's just kind of like you know my rule i had in my head right so but just kind of, um, just kind of taking, I mean, so far, just to kind of refresh for those, if you're, if just because there might be some people that watch us on YouTube that don't actually listen to the podcast. So really at this point, first five episodes, one left to go. What do you think about the series? I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's not perfect. No, it's not. But honestly, but honestly, how many shows are? Okay, for that matter, how much Star Wars has been just perfect? And how many even more? Episodes how many Star five, Episodes War four and five. And how many Star Wars have people thought were just perfect when they came out? Like, yeah. So episode four, you, you look back at there's some little like continuity things that, that never would have happened if they had known it was going to be such a phenomenon. Right. And if you look at it, based sheerly on initial reactions to the movie there's two perfect star wars movies and that's rogue one and episode four yeah episode five people just kind of freaked out about the twist right um I, it wasn't that it wasn't loved i mean for i mean almost since it came out has been considered the most perfect of mm -hmm. of the movies right um but it it was the first one to get it got a little bit of but everybody tries to compare the flack that that one got to flack that the last Jedi guy. That's not even. But there's typically, but historically, for everything except episode one, which was, you know, kind of the, not episode one, episode four, which was you know, the inaugural movie, there's always been some kind of pushback initially. Because it's always like, well, how does this fit in with everything before, right? That's always been, that's right. like the Star Wars question. Like, well, how does this jibe with all the things we already thought we knew about? the force about whatever so all that to say i don't think that can that the the obi-wan kenobi has been a absolutely perfect show but i have really enjoyed it the story has been there the dialogue has been good and ewan mcgregor is as awesome as i always knew he would be yeah no i mean i, I know there's some complaining about the acting um i, I feel like um his last name's Ingram, right? That's playing Moses Reva, Ingram. Moses Ingram. Yeah. Um, she is 
she really stepped it up. I felt like she took a little while to find her character. I felt like in episodes one and two, it was like, if she's going to be this intense for the whole thing and they don't tell us why, like <laughs> that was part of the problem. It was like, okay, she's really, really intense. She's really, really pissed off, but we don't know why. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard to kind of accept a character that's just that ramped up and you don't have an explanation yet. So going two episodes without telling us why she was that way. But I felt like by the third episode, that she really hit a stride with the character. I felt like she really found the character. I'm really enjoying the mm -hmm. performance. Um, I don't necessarily love the character. I don't have this great desire, like, oh, I've got to see this character redeemed. But when I say I don't love the character, I like the character as a bad guy. Mm -hmm. Like, I really love the character. I'm not going, you know, I know there's some people who's like, oh, she's got to be redeemed. It's like, one, we do that sometimes too much in Star Wars. Um, I get it. It's fairy tale. Redemption stories are sort of emblematic of the the genre. Mm -hmm. Like they're just kind of part of it. And like, it's sort of these the Star Wars. Like when they it decided is the Star Wars trope. When they decided to redeem Darth Vader, it became the Star Wars trope. Right. And I think it's. But I think redemption is a great. It's. It's. Okay, so first of all, I'm going way off the notes here. I, I don't know why I bothered making them. Um, <laughs> but Star Wars is inherently a religious film. Mm -hmm. I know some people will freak out at hearing that, but it's true. George mm -hmm. Lucas wrote it. He didn't write it to be Christian. He didn't write it to be Buddhist. It's kind of a combination of the two and a few other things thrown in for good measure. Mm -hmm. But it's it was a inherently, film. it was it was it's a spiritual, spiritual story. He yeah. and he and he has said that he created it to make young people interested in spiritual things. Mm -hmm. So um I think that the fact that we play with this idea of redemption, which is an inherently religious trope mm -hmm. in Star Wars, I think it makes perfect sense that we keep coming back to that. When we when we're dividing things in this fairy tale light of good versus evil, um, this is an episode I'm really looking forward to doing the kind of gray area episode mm -hmm. that we're we're working on. But um, Star Wars at its core is a light versus dark, good versus evil fairy tale. Right. And it doesn't mean we can't do gray characters and we can't have good ones because we do have a few. Um, but often they're faced with a choice of the light or the dark. Mm -hmm. These characters that sit in the middle, they can't stay there forever. They're eventually, you know, given this choice. And mm -hmm. it's like, once I make this choice, right? I, I'm committed to that. This is the point of no return. And right. like, sometimes there's another point, you know, and like, okay, because actually that wasn't the point. Maybe this is the other point of no return. Right. But that's this, that's this thing where when you're dealing with things that are, hard one way hard the other way you know with right and wrong good versus evil you have to leave characters on the path of evil a, a way to come back mm -hmm. just like you can't it's just like this is kind of the thing like you can have characters that are walking the path of the good we do this really well in star wars too because everybody talks about there's all these redemption arcs we have good characters that fall away mm-hmm it's not just about redemption. There's a lot of falling away in Star Wars. 
I mean, Anakin Skywalker is Anakin a classic is, example. Right, well, Anakin's both. Anakin is, mm-hmm. Star Wars, the first six movies, is the, the, the rise and fall of, and then the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I really don't mind that they, that we do that this much, but like, there's nothing about this character right now that just makes me, she has to be redeemed. Mm-hmm. If, if they do it, I, what I'm saying is if they do it, it, it works. Mm-hmm. It's no reason to get upset about it. Um, but I, if they don't, it also, honestly, I would kind of like to see it go straight of the direction they went with Maul, where Maul like, is one of the has, most incredibly interesting characters. He has his moment, like where he finds his peace. as he's dying you know like he doesn't reject the dark he he doesn't have it in him to reject he's got too much invested in darkness to reject it but the constant there is but there is in that last little second there's that he looks at everyone he's like is that child the chosen one is he is is there he doesn't want every he 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 feels like he's lost but he doesn't want the whole galaxy to follow this trajectory right well he not only is he lost but he he understands that he wasn't fully in control of putting himself on this course like he he's what he was created to be and um and, and he has too much invested to turn his back on it now. Right. And he's he's such a tortured character. Like I said, mm-hmm. he's one of the most incredible. I know some people really don't like that they brought him back because he was chopped in half and it cheapens the death and I all mean, that. And they're not wrong. No. But when you can take that and bring the character back and mm-hmm. do what Dave Filoni did and make him one of the most interesting villains we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really love hearing Dave Filoni talk about talking to George Lucas about it. He's like, I was thinking, you know, what would you think about bringing Maul back? He was like, I don't think that's a good idea, dude. <laughs> Basically. Right. And then, you know, they kind of did this, this, you know, George Lucas really made it work. Even like, I remember reading like on the internet, they're like, Oh, Darth Maul. And they're like in this, in the cartoons. And I was like, no, I reject it. You know, I wasn't yeah. having any of like, that's ridiculous. Then I want, you know, went and watched it. I was like, okay it kind of works it kind of you know so i wouldn't hate to see reva kind of have a little bit more of that trajectory where she doesn't reject the dark but we also see she's not totally not restored she not restored but she's also got some investment in the whole galaxy not being as tortured as she is Right. Well, I think they're mirroring and we'll get into this because we're really kind of doing overall thoughts on the show right now. But I, I think they're doing a lot of mirroring um, of Jedi Fallen Order, um, which unfortunately makes me feel like even less. I, there was, I always had a little hope that Cal Kestis could show up in this because mm-hmm. I really think they should do that. I think that he needs to show up in something mm-hmm. uh, instead in this era. Um, I understand not having another Jedi just show up in this one Mm -hmm. but you're also really doing a lot of similar things in your story Mm -hmm. and so i can understand like pulling him in just shines a really bright light on the parallels 
Um, and they but, also have some fun kind of parallels going on with uh, Force Unleashed. Right. But where we're going to leave off, and we'll get more into this, but with Reva finding out that there's children that need to be protected from presumably Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, Vader or the Emperor or, or somebody. The Emperor, or, yeah. There's children that they don't want them to know about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the assumption is going to be, you know, Force users mm-hmm. uh, that he's trying to protect. Um, there's nothing in there that gives away uh, that they're they're Anakin's children. Yeah, no, I don't think that there's, I don't think that there's any indication other than there are children, they're on Tatooine, and Owen Lars is involved. Yeah. So, so but now she realizes, and here's why I think she's got to die dead, because she knows that there's a connection between Bail Organa and his child and Owen Lars and another child on Tatooine. And they're all connected to Ben Kenobi. Yeah. Like she knows way too many pieces of this puzzle that nobody knows until we get well into the original trilogy. So I think that she's, I don't think there's any way she makes it out. No, and I don't. I don't think she needs to. I, we've got stories set immediately after this. We never have her. She's what the, she's the third sister. Mm-hmm. She never shows up in anything else. Mm-hmm. With as far as you know, the Inquisitors go. I'm. I'm not convinced. There's any. We know the Inquisitors don't last up until the. Uh, the original series. The original. The original movie. So. Yeah. I don't I don't think there's any reason to necessarily have this character stick around. Mm-hmm. So I think odds are she dies in this next one. I mean, we don't really know because we're gonna get in just if I haven't said too much yet, but uh we are fully talking spoilers here. Um hundred percent spoilers. So if if you if you haven't watched both of these episodes, then uh turn back now because uh we, we will be talking spoilers. We don't know that she or or hasn't already been dealt a death blow. Yeah. Like she's, she's, you know, we're going to have a conversation here about people surviving lightsaber wounds, but this isn't new. I mean, we did just bring up uh, the chopped in half guy. Right. I mean, if he gets to come back from being literally cut in two, with his dark force evil. Yeah. I mean, like, it's really hard to complain too much. And the thing is, it's not like Kathleen Kennedy made that call. George Lucas did that. You right. know. Um, so, but I mean, having a character get stabbed and survive is nothing new. It's, I guess it's all about where you get stabbed, but mm-hmm. um, I get the impression that Vader has intentionally maimed this character that Mm -hmm. it's going to be more torture for him to abandon her now Mm -hmm. um, than, than, than to kill her dead. And I think killing her would almost be a mercy. And I think that's kind of, we get the impression that he stabbed her in the, in the temple as a child. Mm -hmm. Because you have that same, you, you get the idea that he's like just repeating this, this exact same thing that's already happened to her. Right. Um, and he's been using her, but I, I feel like Vader, you know, Vader, we already know Vader doesn't like the Inquisitors. Yeah. Um, they're sort of a threat to him. Mm-hmm. 
that you know and we go in the comics and we find out that the and the inquisitors were that were created as a group parallel to vader and he doesn't even they don't even know about each other initially um until vader is sent to to train them um so they don't like each other they're they're not partners in this they're both tools used by the same person I mean, that's kind of his classic go-to move, right? Pit people against each other. Yeah, for sure. See who comes out stronger. Um, But overall, I'm really enjoying the show. Like we said, it does have its issues. Um, And a lot of my issues are actually continuity issues, but not continuity within the overarching story. Not canon continuity. Not canon continuity. Just... um, continuity within this within the this story itself um and not like the story works but like i feel like whoever was in charge of making sure that people were coming from the right place just wandered off set or something yeah i i'm kind of inclined to think like having spent a little bit of time on movie sets I'm kind of inclined to think that it's not the script supervisor as much as somebody was like, oh, we don't care. We want this to happen. I think that's probably true. But do you think it's also possible that things got shaved that would have helped with? I think that's honestly the most likely scenario, because even in little projects, they're like, oh, no, there was somebody in a blue shirt there. Get somebody in a blue shirt and well, that spot because we saw we saw their reflection in a window in this yeah. last scene. Well, the, the three really glaring things. Um, when Reeve, when uh, Leia is in the tunnel running towards the airbase, and Reva finds out she's in the tunnel, and then Reva appears at the other end. Now it's perfectly acceptable that Reva realizes where the tunnel's going and just cuts her off. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not a big stretch, but we don't show any bit of it. To mm-hmm. understand how it happened, right? No we concept. just have to accept that somehow she got there somehow. and got ahead of, yeah, somehow. Um, the other was when Leia falls from the roof, right? And he, Ben Stop. catches her, yeah, sets her down, and then he just walks around the corner at the it's end like, of the I'm watching it and I'm like. That's... And it's like, presumably, we're to accept Ben, he's not really using the force yet. Like right. very minimally, he probably went down, found him a ladder, a ladder went, over there, but like way too fast. Like literally she hits quick. the ground and then she looks up and he's coming around the corner. Well, we it's have, like, we have two offsetting things with time there where, where Reva takes like 10 minutes to run from the building where she saw them fighting <laughs> to where they're at. Literally my least favorite thing about this entire show. No, it's so terrible. The, the part which bad. we're specifically talking about the parkour scene on the roof and what episode two. Yeah. And she's doing this like leaping across and flips and it's just, it's, it's not just that she's like, she's using oh. the force and look, we do that kind of stuff. Like Jedi fall in order. We do all the climbing on things and running show that stuff. That's awesome. But it, it looks like a video game though. But it doesn't, but it like in the video game, there's a purpose to why you like run along a wall or jump off of a thing. It's to get from point A to point B, which ironically is what parkour actually is, is creative ways of getting from point A to point B. But um, she's literally doing parkour. Like she's just doing kickflips off the wall 
for no good reason. There's no reason for her to do about half the things she does. And we keep cutting back. To and it's it. time consuming and it's like unnecessary. And it just keeps going and go. It's like the energizer bunny of bad scenes. Yeah, no, it's just a bad. And honestly, I feel like the series, if, if that episode had been the highlight of the series, it would have been like, that's a drag. But thing is, that episode's got a lot of really fun stuff in it. But the this series has been so good overall. I feel like that is like really kind of yeah. I'm not gonna drags the. I feel like that that's a bad scene, but I'm not gonna. I'm not going. I I'm gonna call that a nitpick. It doesn't affect the story. It's it's terrible, but it doesn't damage the plot. It's true. Um, the other, the third of the mystery things, it's actually the biggest one, mm -hmm. is how Reva's lightsaber at the end of this fight with Vader is just miraculously back in one piece. Okay, so like now I feel like I need to go watch all the episodes of Rebels where the Inquisitors are there to but see, like, do their lightsabers just like magically zing back together? I mean, maybe that's a thing and I just don't remember it. Um, but when I mean, they're, they're like fighting, or but when they're fighting with them, the the circular part appears to be even ripped off of it. Um, Does it? I, yeah, or part of it's sticking out, but it's like this. Whatever it is, whether the saber was snap was broken in half or just separated, it's magically back together when Reva picks it up after everybody leaves. It's like that's either a really bad oversight on the part of the props people and the continuity people. Well, no, and it's the a director. bad oversight one way or the other because if it somehow was put back together, even if it was some sort of like, you know, oh, it's got really good magnets in it. <laughs> Whatever it was, they should have. If it if they wanted us to accept that it was somehow put back together, they should have showed us. Yeah. Like some things you do. And there's no reason why it needs to be together. Like it could be in two pieces and it would not affect that scene at all. No, I just Nothing. feel like it was a mistake. I feel like they shot that mm -hmm. scene out of or out of sequence. Mm -hmm. And they changed some things as they went in one scene and forgot to come back and fix it in another. It's Star Wars. Like it's Star Wars. You, I mean, they shoot they shoot stuff out of sequence all the time in all. But like it's Star well, no, Wars, you out of have to fix it. Yeah, you have to fix it. It's Star Wars. You have to fix it, and they didn't. So they should have. No, one hundred percent. So anyway, that kind of gets me past my biggest gripes, except for Fortress Inquisitorius, which <laughs> that wasn't the full. That's not. That's no, no. That's that on... predates this show. That's actually. I I don't know where that first pops up. It might be Jedi well, Fallen Order. I bet it's from a comic book. Maybe dollars but, to donuts is from a comic book. It might be, but they definitely call it that in Jedi Fallen Order too. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the the Inquisitors as a group or the Inquisitorious. So Andrew's uh, like it sounds it like something sounds from like something from Harry Potter. It just does. <laughs> like one hundred percent sounds like something from Harry Potter. But whatever, I, I I'll get used to it's it. It's very it's I'll very Latin. Fortress yeah. Inquisitorious. It's like it's you're, like, you're, like you know. I don't know. Like part of me is like I wanted to have a cooler name, but then I'm like, well, Vader's Castle. We just call it Vader's Castle. So. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a cool name is uh, asking too much, but and maybe some people like Fortress Inquisitorious. I mean, it it could be. Uh, it's not. It's not that it's a bad name. It's just a very 
Latin name. Yeah, it, it is. It's 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 very specific. It's like if they called it, you know, if they they find a a peaceful planet and it's like, you know, Shalom. It's like it kind of pulls you out of it a little bit. It's like that's weird. Now, look, I, I'm I, I will admit that sometimes when George Lucas named things, he was real on the nose with things <laughs> like uh, Savage Press. <laughs> Right. Like, I mean, it was a kid's show, but I'm watching. I'm like, oh no, yeah, no, it's no. <laughs> way too on the nose. So yeah, I mean, it's not like things like that are new to Star Wars, it's and true. it doesn't ruin the story. That that's the thing. I have complaints about this show, but I think to be fair, there are very few shows that you can watch that you're not going to have some like at least nitpicks about. Yeah. It's not perfect in my it's mind. It's not perfect, but, but it's I really like, good. As far as like Star Wars stuff goes, like I really, really love Star Wars and I really, really love the story. Mm -hmm. I've waited a long time to see an Obi-Wan story that I we've was, been teased yeah. with forever. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm having a blast with it. I think it's really good. I don't think there's I, I know there are people that disagree. I don't think there's any major places where it steps on canon. Mm -hmm. There are some minor places where it where it does tweak what we thought we knew a, a little, little bit. retconny a little sometimes not new to star wars not new to star wars like we started being retconny from the word go so um i'm really really enjoying mm -hmm. this show overall yeah me too it's um, so let's kind of get into just a few few points on episode four um one this is where we first really see um, I guess before we even do this, I guess we really start off in the back to tank. I I really loved the contrast they had going there. Yeah the 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 uh, the cuts mm -hmm. the cuts, and I think it's a really clear picture that Vader and Obi Wan. Are tied together. They're not just tied together. I don't know if there's some, like while they're mm -hmm. in that state, if there's a connection mm -hmm. or if there, there's some things that happen later in, in episode five with the uh, reviewing things through the fight mm -hmm. and then realizing at some point that yes, we're reviewing things through the fight. And for most of the episode, we're viewing it through Obi-Wan's remembering, mm -hmm. but then we kind of appear to remember the end, how it ends Mm -hmm. with with Kenobi coming out on top from Vader's perspective mm -hmm. and it's like they're 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 tortured by the same things and they're you know Obi-Wan tells Anakin you are my brother and I think this is a place where we see really clearly that they have you know they say what uh it's one of those things where you see clearly that they have a connection where their, their, their brotherhood isn't something that you can just be like, I hate you. And now it's gone. Right. It's like the, the, the degree to which they were dedicated and loyal and loved each other is really, it's compounded the tragedy of the, of how much Vader hates 
um, Obi-Wan now and how betrayed Obi-Wan feel like you really see the tragedy and the fact that even all these years later, they can't escape each other. Yeah. And their, you know, their connection interestingly is, is not like other masters and Padawans um, because Obi-Wan takes him as a Padawan so young mm-hmm. before he should be taking a Padawan. And Anakin is too old to be too old to start too old to start. So, so they wind up really being more like brothers than the typical more father and son or mm-hmm. father and daughter dynamic. dynamic. Yeah. Which is ironically the same dynamic that, that Anakin has going with uh, Ahsoka later on, you know, it's, it's because he's, he's so young and she, you know, just because of the weird dynamics that the war brings out, they have more of that sibling dynamic than the, the parent and child dynamic. Right. Um, but kind of, at, I love the cuts. The stuff in the tank is great. The stuff they've done with, uh, man, Vader looks rough. Yeah. Um, like the, whatever they're doing, the makeup, the CGI, the, all of the things that they're doing on that, the prosthetics. I mean, they're killing it. Yeah. I mean, he looks really, really convincing. Um, so we get a lot of other stuff in this episode that we kind of knew we were getting uh, with. Uh, we're, we're, we've been seeing Obi-Wan through the series, and, and this was kind of a given that we were going to see him slowly regain his connection with the Force. Um, we kind of see him while they're on the ship in this one where he's kind mm-hmm. of messing with some stuff, just trying, just kind of moving little things with the force. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he's, he's still struggling with it a mm-hmm. lot at this point. Yeah. Um, but we see them. So, so yeah, you never saw like Obi-Wan doing like a real strain and real hard, you know, You're right. um, or at least rarely. Uh, but this stuff, and and I think, it comes back. I think you could argue that it comes back too quickly in this. It comes back. Like he really goes from, I can barely move anything with the force to like doing some fairly impressive things in this, but I wouldn't argue that I would argue that it's the, it's this thing. It's like, I have to do this or everybody dies. And also, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's like a muscle that you quit using. I think it's like, you know, uh, like you're, you sit down on an instrument. If, if anybody's got any experience musically, you sit down on an instrument and you pull out a song you haven't played in 15 years. And the first time you play it through, it's like, that's rough. I don't even say, but it, that muscle memory and that all the ways that it all fits together, it, picks back up really quickly mm-hmm. it's not like you have to completely retrain all of this you just remind your body this is this thing we do and it's like oh that's right and, yeah. and you just slip back into it it's like riding a bike right well and i think that's where we go here though but we go into this life and death mm-hmm. moment which is where that's why you train like you know whether you be an athlete or a soldier or whatever you train and you train and you train and you train So that when you're in that situation, it becomes automatic. And the thing is, he wasn't just a middling. No, no. He's like the Jedi. He was the, and you see, you in this 
fight scene that we have in the beginning of, of episode five, whenever you see Anakin and Obi-Wan, just, I mean, they're just going at it and they are masterful. Great job, by the way, with the choreography, like clearly Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen put real time and commitment into that fight scene because it looks perfect. Yeah. I did a good job. It is with so that. good. Um, but that's the thing. Like Obi-Wan isn't, he's not just like, you know, he's a master at this. Yeah. And so it's like, I mean, so what, you know, the, you know, the, the world-class violinist, you know, gets his feelings hurt and puts down his violin for, you know, 10 years and picks it up again. It's not like he's not, it's not still there. Yeah. It's still, it's all still there. You just have to find it. Right. And, and I, so I think it's very believable that he just, and like you said, whenever push comes to shove and he's desperate, it's instinct. It's there. It's all there. Right. Years, decades of ingrained instinct training. And um, we see a lot that if you read like some of the, the books and things like Qui-Gon was really big on drilling basics. Like we do the things that we till till you don't think about them till they're automatic. Yeah. So um, just kind of taking episode four by itself, what were some things that you really, really liked in the episode? Hmm. Um, we'll start there. So the epi the the scene where he's he okay so i really liked whenever they have a little breathing thing the rebreather underwater was a great callback yes. um it's also it's not just it's a callback there but it's also how cal gets into the fortress mm -hmm. and jedi fallen order okay uh, but as soon as he goes like oh it's the things from episode one um so but he gets in there and the the scene with the the, all these Jedi entombed in this amber. I mean, it was it was compelling. I think lore was like just as far as entries into the overall Star Wars lore, mm -hmm. that's the moment in this episode. It's you know, it's not one of those things like, wow, that was so fun, but it was really compelling because it's well, like creepy creepy as all get out and and just like a a reminder that like this is what he's up against is people who do this to people like him yeah well i mean even the stormtroopers are remarking on how creepy the fortress is and i mean essentially it's like i mean this is the this is the beginnings of the recreation of a sith temple right in I some mean, ways i mean they're not sith the inquisitors aren't but because only because of the rule of two. Right. But they're, they're still dark side. Yeah, force users. I mean, I think, not, well, I, I think that whole thing around that yeah, little rule there. Right. They're like, they're totally just so loophole in that right. all the bits. So, well, they are. And, and I think the real answer there is Sith Lords. There's two Sith Lords. Mm -hmm. There's two rulers. Yeah. There, there's, there's the, the top guy and then his underling. And then everybody else is, it's a pyramid 
underneath them, mm -hmm. you know, and it, and it goes down to the Inquisitors and then to the Purge Troopers, which we actually got to see in this episode. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't really get to see Purge Troopers really in action. We see the one that's uh, shooting at Kenobi through the, the little crack in the door. It doesn't go well. No, that ends up not going well. Not going um, well. But it's fun to see. So having just, I just I'm, I'm replaying Jet Off All in Order. Um, but I really love that game, but they they took so many cues from that game for mm -hmm. what the inside of this fortress mm -hmm. should look and feel like. Mm -hmm. um, but let's talk about the tomb for a minute, like, what, because I think that's one of the biggest things to talk about in this episode. What do you think is going on with the tomb? I mean, honestly, essentially, before he said it's a tomb, I assumed that they were in some kind of stasis. That they were, um, I, I assume that they weren't dead. I assume that they were in some kind of suspended animation so that they could be experimented on. Yeah. So I think that they're encased in something to preserve them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if this is part of Palpatine's, um, his experience. Well, he's been experimenting for a long time with. Um, creating force users or mm -hmm. cloning force users. And so you've got a lot of genetic material from force users there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's either that or the possibility even that there's some sort of power to be drawn from the midichlorians. Well, and that was kind of the other thing. The other thought was that maybe they were creating some kind of, like I assume that they were just siphoning off their power. Um, which I would assume wouldn't be possible if they were dead, but we do see like that that Luminara's body is putting off some kind of beacon, right? They're, they're using it as a trap. Yeah, they're using it as a trap. So, <clears throat> so I mean, yeah. it kind of tracks that there's. Well, okay, so here's actually the other thing: they don't disappear. Well, okay, so the only Jedi that we've really had disappear were ones whose connections were strong enough with the living force, which really starts that that's a thing that starts with Qui-Gon. Yeah. And I guess he doesn't disappear either. They, they burn him. Right. But he finds the way to come back. And then, so then when we see characters like Obi-Wan and Yoda and a lot of our subsequent Jedi that all kind of come from the, the Qui-Gon school of how to be a Jedi, mm -hmm. um, that their bodies become one with the, with the, 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 the body just disappears. Um, so yeah, that's a thing that, that happens later. Okay. Um, so, but I guess it would make sense that, cause I, I think we see in Clone Wars, when they they're faking somebody other's death, faking Obi Wan's death, right? They actually entomb him, and they have like a light, you know, kind of go off, you know, like some kind of. So presumably, there is still some sort of latent power. There is some sort of well, power in the actual physical. I mean, I guess if the midichlorians well, the, the are standard, a physical up to up to Qui Gon, at least the ones we see. I mean, the this the standard for Jedi appears to be a funeral pyre. They usually burn mm -hmm. the body. Um, and why? Right. I mean, is there some lingering connection to the Force with that body that's mm -hmm. severed at that 
you know, when the bodies burn, mm-hmm. or is it just mm-hmm. like, is it just a religious thing? Like, mm-hmm. I don't, it's, there's a lot of things there they haven't told us, but it does leave the door open for quite a few things to be possible with these bodies. Um, as far as none of them in- nice, <laughs> no, they're all creepy. <laughs> um, as far as what they're encased in, I do kind of have a theory. Mm-hmm. Um, because they appear to be, I've heard a lot of people say it looks like Amber. Um, I think it, it, yeah. it reminds, I think it obviously reminds everybody of Amber because it's a callback to the original Jurassic Park. Right. With the mosquito encased in the Amber. But that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Well, in Jedi Fallen Order, we know that the Empire is harvesting sap from the Roshir trees to create some powerful chemical but we don't know on on kashik right on kashik that but they don't tell us they they tell us that they're using it to create some powerful compound but we don't know what but they never tell us what Hmm. Um, i mean that seems like the most likely connection so i think they're encasing force users and yeah treat something made from the tree sap of the rosier and honestly it Almost well, looks like also, some of them. It looks told, like because Kashyyyk is so um, unspoiled and pure and full of life that it's very strong with the force. Mm-hmm. And these trees are ancient. Yeah. So there's a strong connection to the force, the living force with these trees. So I really think what they're encased in is whatever's being created from the Rosher trees. Yeah. I think that that seems like a sound theory. Um, but I want to know more like, and I really don't want to explore it in a comic book because frankly, I can't read all the comic. I don't care to read all the comic books. Um, I've tried, like I like comic books just fine, but comic books are not my favorite medium, uh, medium to read. Yeah. Um, what else? What else did you like about this episode? I, there, there's one thing that I, I heard a lot of complaints about, and I want to see what you thought about it. Uh, there's the, how Tala just basically walks through security. She basically walks in, levels some threats, walks through. And a lot of people are upset that, well, that's not the way military protocol works. In a fictional and I, fairy tale space universe. And I'm kind of like, yeah, and, I, and I, I think it was, um, I think it was on screen crush that I, I, I that uh, I heard a good point made um, that, this the the security of the empire is not necessarily founded in good uh sound military, sound tactics. military tactics as much as it's just about fear mm-hmm. and leveling enough of a threat at someone that's ranked beneath you mm-hmm. m- may just be enough to make somebody go i don't People want any part who are making that. this complaint haven't watched nearly enough leverage they don't understand that if you just go with enough confidence, you can get in anywhere. I just These are the I things don't, that leverage teaches one. I frankly don't care if the Empire's security protocols mirror real-world military protocols. No, it doesn't bother me. And the thing is, she's not... Well, every Star Wars movie has done the same thing. Also, Han and Luke walk right in the front door of the Death Star. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. He just walks out of the shuttle, taps on his helmet. There he goes. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, she's got 
solid credentials. She is an Imperial officer, was an Imperial officer before all any of this went down. She was an Imperial officer before she was involved in the rebellion. I mean, and also this is, it is an Imperial facility, but it's like, it's like if, if the empire is running some like creepy dark Vatican, it's not, you know, it's not like regular military protocols are in place here. It's like this weird quasi-religious. And the people at the top of this totem pole are not your commanding officer. It's these scary people who are running around with lightsabers and could just, I mean, that's a compelling reason to break military protocol. Well, it's no, like, Vader's and Palpatine's protocol is like, we do what I say. Period. It's, it's not... <laughs> I mean, and yes, it's I think about for following your, rules. I and... think for your regular, everyday run of the mill imperial officer, they probably live most of their life by imperial protocol. But whenever you're in the stronghold of these force users, I'd be like, mm, yeah, don't care. I mean, does she walk in? Does Tala walk in too easily? Maybe. I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't no. bother me. No, um, it doesn't bother me. Um, so other things, I'm going to kind of pick up the pace here a little bit, or we're going to be here all night. Um, so the other big things, well, the one thing to mention is that Ben Kenobi is definitely the galactic hide-and-go-seek champion, right? <laughs> like, he's really, really good at being sneaky. Yeah. Like, he just sneaks wherever he wants to go. And that's, like, one of the biggest things we know about Kenobi ac across the, the film franchise. So he can sneak all in all kinds of places he's not supposed to be. <laughs> I mean, first time we see Obi Wan Kenobi in the prequels, he's sneaking somewhere. Yeah. Um, he do we ever see him like in any installment of Star Wars where he's not sneaking into something? I think that was always intentionally set aside as the difference between uh, intentionally to show the difference in the two characters of how. Obi-Wan and Anakin approach. Anakin things. was just like, boom, thermal detonators. Because and Anakin will literally just walk in the front door and, and throw down. And be like, I'm cooler than you are. You're dead. Right. And we're, you know, Obi-Wan's, you know, got it. He's all about the subtlety. Right. Well, Obi-Wan would rather you just not ever know he was there. Yeah. But unfortunately, he's always with Anakin. So <laughs> somebody always finds out. Um, the other thing. So the other big thing in this episode that we should talk about before we move on to the other so that we don't do a three hour episode here and try not do a two hour episode, but we're, we're pushing our luck. Um, so Leia being so tortured. Uh, so Leia is being questioned. She's driving Reva nuts um, because she keeps playing word games with, you know, well, oh, if we're all on the same side, then surely I can, like, tell my dad about this before we do it. Okay, and anybody who's like, oh, a 10-year-old doesn't have the maturity to... You've never argued with a child. No, you've they're, never... They're smarter than they're you give them credit for. Uh-huh, and they're like, oh, really? Well, I hear your story, mm -hmm. and I raise you. Oh, the, the Leia's Leia's more well spoken than most ten year olds. You would probably argue she with, is. But, but how much have, time have you ever spent with a kid that reads a lot? Like plenty. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 this is a hypothetical. Hypothetical question for our, our audience members. Here. No, like I regularly hear my kids, you know, my nieces and nephews, and they'll say things, and I'm like, 
particularly the little one. The four-year-old who's got all the older siblings that read a lot. Who's just absorbed all that. And absorbs it all. And I'm like, yeah, no, she doesn't. Stuff? Right. Yeah, she doesn't. I could totally see a 10-year-old Aria being that little person. Yeah. And be just be because she thinks that she is the queen of the world. And she knows how to argue. And she's unflappable because she has been so safe her entire life. She thinks she's invincible. So what do you think? And, and that's that you really kind of already answered my question. But like, as far as Leia, really not intimidated by Reva. No. Um, and, and I think so. Personally, I think some of that's that she's naive. Absolutely. That she thinks that because she, you know, Reva threatens her and she says, I am a princess of Alderaan. My father's a senator. Right. How dare you? Right. So she still feels like she's somehow like got she's a leg safe. up on Reva here. That she's safe. Nobody possibly would actually do anything bad to her. I mean, even the people who kidnapped her, they're like, we're going to do bad things to you. And they just like put her in a cell and like, and they didn't do anything bad to her, you know? Right. Like the thing is, and, you know, having, having children in my house. I, one day I, I I looked at Andrew and I was like, Hun, I think we protected our kids too much. Like they don't realize that like things are dangerous because like they climb up on a high thing and they're like, catch me. And they jump. And what always happens? Somebody catches them. Like they, they haven't learned. I mean, we have had a couple of broken arms, but <laughs> yeah, but, but in general, like they they sometimes do really dumb stuff and and they're just completely unintimidated by terrible things that could happen like i'm an adult i understand terrible things that can happen in this world i've been around i've had less than great things happen in my life my kids i, I mean i think that's probably fairly normal for kids in a stable situation you know and they, that's the thing she is she's spoiled she's smart you know, she and her, she has, her daddy will send a military to an army to bring her back. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what she tells them initially. Yeah, exactly. Like she's before her dad sends this one man. Right. Um, what do you mean? Where's the rest of the army? <laughs> I mean, and like I said, I mean, I'm watching this child and I see my four year old niece and I'm like, yep, yeah. I buy it. But I think the real telling thing is here is like she is like. She's not scared of Reva right up until they put her in that torture device. Yeah. And then she's and like, then oh, she's a, shit. And, and then the little kid comes out. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe don't all have this. poise is gone. I don't have this under control after all. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I, I'm, but what you're telling me, you're fine with the way they've portrayed her through that. I buy it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I think I I think the actress that uh, is playing Leia has done a phenomenal job. Now, this isn't her first. I mean, she's got a you know a dozen or so acting mm -hmm. credits to her name already, but um, she's doing a really great job. I I yeah. fully expect to see her in a lot more stuff. Um, like I said, I I've known that child. <laughs> I right. buy it. Um, so. Let's move on to episode five. Um, this one, there's not a, I mean, there's, there's some big story moments that happen here, but essentially you have the fight 
mm-hmm. that we start off with that we see a flashback to Obi-Wan and Anakin. Which uh, is so great. It's so great. Man. And you know they had so much fun doing like, that scene. Yeah. Um I mean, they, they had to have had because they had such fun doing those things before mm-hmm. and to get to come back 20 years later and do yeah. it again. Like they, they, they both had like a reputation for destroying numerous takes with their lightsaber sound effects, you know, during shooting. Like you can't do that. You can't, you know, you can't shoom, you know, like. <laughs> um, but no, they, they, but they were both very, I mean, they did so much of the choreography with the lightsabers themselves in the prequels um, mm-hmm. that this is something that they really were into. And speaking of it coming back, like, it's like you get the real feeling that they like got out there and, and it's like, oh, here it is. Like yeah. all that stuff that you spent hundreds of hours drilling. It's like all of a sudden, I mean, the, the choreography was so in so meticulous, um, you know, cause like I've heard people mention, like, it's a really interesting parallel between the fighting style you see in episode one and episode two, you know, it's like, it's, it's a halfway point between. They've the done a really good job of showing how Obi-Wan's fighting styles have progressed mm-hmm. and the um and how he's really become a much more defensive fighter yes um the only time after you know i'm sure we're going to see an obi-wan a little more on the offensive here in this final episode mm-hmm. but the only you know we do have a case of obi-wan being a little bit more of the offensive fighter when he his last fight with maul mm-hmm. uh, where he takes a little more aggressive stance um, but that's a whole, that's a whole different thing. There's, well, there's a whole bunch of fights that play out in both of their heads mm-hmm. prior to that strike. Yeah. Um, where that was kind of the culmination and we didn't have to have a huge duel. It's this culmination of all these other duels that the two have had over the years, uh, over yeah. the years. And, and so it was kind of like, you know, ultimately, you know, Obi-Wan is best at him again and again and again. And, Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in that scene, that scene's brilliant. I'm going way off topic again, but that scene's brilliant for a number of reasons in the way that he plays with Maul's head, uh, with luring him to, to mm-hmm. strike the way he does. Yeah. Um, it's this is, I think, this is another example of a really well crafted fight scene that isn't just about like the choreography is awesome, it right. looks cool, it's got a really important story to tell. Right. Um, and I think the fact that they kind of intersperse it through the episode. They did. And, and well, they were, you know, because the whole episode, Obi-Wan and Anakin, this is where we've, we've still got other players in, involved here, but it's really become about these two now. Mm-hmm. And they are playing this cat and mouse game that we see played out in that duel. And they know each other. And you see a lot of, you know, this, you see this micro level, you see this fight where no one's, there are no stakes. And then you see this macro picture of this battle they're having and they know each other. And I think that's the most important thing that this fight emphasizes is that they know the kinds of decisions that the other one is going to make. You know, he yeah. says like, well, how do, why do you think Vader's going to come in here? He, he's like, Cause he hasn't got the patience to wait. He knows, he understands. And of course, the other side of that is 
Vader knows Obi-Wan. Yeah. So here's something I really want to talk about about this episode. Uh, we go through all the stuff. Uh, Obi-Wan surrenders, you know, turns himself in, and, you know, he's being guarded apparently by some incompetent stormtroopers who he does something to and is, something you know, disagreeable. runs off. So, you know, to, to basically back them off long enough for him to escape um, and for the, for the ship to escape. Um, but he talks Reva into trying to take Vader down now because he will be so distracted. Um, I think this is a little bit of an odd character choice for, for Obi-Wan. To, to now granted his sole purpose right now is protecting that child. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the driving factor. I think you can say that that in, in protecting these other people, especially now that Tal is gone, he feels like he has to get them off the planet, but he really sells Reva a bill of goods. Like he straight up sends her to her death. I mean, it could have worked. It, yeah, and and maybe I mean, like he hasn't actually crossed blades with 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 Vader since he almost died. Like he he knows who he is. He knows how he thinks, but he doesn't know what his physical limitations are at this point. Right. So like it's a it's a calculated risk, but she's dangerous. She is. Like, if she dies, it's no loss. Well, she she is dangerous, and I think that's why Vader allows her to live. Yeah. Uh, two couple of reasons. One, we can say whatever, you know, whatever, however you feel about the people surviving a lightsaber wound, you know, I get it. Um, Granted, it, you know, it is a, a weapon that cauterizes the wound. We've seen a lot of people lose limbs that you would normally bleed out almost instantly from mm -hmm. um, and and be just fine. So I suppose it always will depend on where you're stabbed with it. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that Vader maims her but doesn't kill her intentionally because she, he knows she's dangerous, mm -hmm. but not to him. She's no danger to him. Uh -uh. And and I think that. But the other thing is, is that to kill her would be a mercy. Invader doesn't do mercy. Right. But I think, you know, sending her after Vader, it could work. Like he does. He's not lying. He's always the master, though, of that certain point of view. Right. I mean, the thing about about Obi-Wan is he's a big picture kind of guy. Mm hmm. You know, Owen says, you don't care about that kid. You care about the universe, basically. He's not wrong. No, he's not. He's not wrong. The thing is, he made the decision a long time ago to choose that child over the fate of the world. Because he thought that child was going to solve the fate of the world. Well, it turned out it was a bad call. And so now he makes big picture decisions. Right. Like, and he convinces himself that they're the right thing to do. Like, that's, that's his go-to move. So I feel like, I mean, if if she pulls it off, great. You know, he's not lying to her. It it could work, especially right. with the given the information he has. 
like he knows Anakin should have died. And he knows that if he, you know, that he's just a shell of a man. He's got to be because he knows the state he was left in. Right. But also, if it doesn't work, then this little conflict they're going to have is a distraction. Mm -hmm. If nothing else, she's a really good distraction. And basically, he's setting Vader and Reva up to distract each other from him for just long enough for him to get that child back where she belongs. Yeah. Um, Cause ultimately. Well, the other problem there was that, you know, for Reva and it's what Vader tells her, you know, when he says, you thought I didn't see, and he's not talking about, you thought I didn't see that you were about to stab me in the back. Right. Is you didn't think that I saw that your whole purpose in life was to kill me. Mm -hmm. Like the only reason you're here is because you want to kill me. Like, you know, so he's toyed with her. Even, I mean, he has really toyed with her, you know, from the, even when he, when he makes her grand inquisitor, mm -hmm. it's all just to give her what she wants because he's using her as a tool. Yeah. And I mean, she's kind of a tragic character. Cause honestly, we just see her, you know, right. She is a tragic character, which her. is why I feel kind of funny about Obi-Wan just being like, yeah, sure. You know, you know, use me as a distraction. Strike him down. Like, I, you know, like it's, I there's not a moment where he tries to call her back to the light. No. Um, but does now, he, granted, he he thinks Vader's gone too. I he thinks his best friend in the world is lost. Like he walks off of that ship. He walks off Padme's ship to kill Anakin Skywalker because he's gone. So he's he's really willing to just for people to just, you know, just write him off. Yeah. You know, and he has no reason not to And and I I guess that's in an otherwise flawless character. I guess yeah. that's Obi-Wan's big flaw. Yeah. Um, because, you know, he's almost too good of a Jedi sometimes. Like, you know, he is the quintessential Jedi. You know, Anakin may be the main character. Obi-Wan is everything a Jedi is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Including kind of unforgiving. And the thing is, as far as he's concerned, he saw he saw what the Inquisitors did on Tatooine, just on Tatooine. Right. Like, he knows what they've been doing. He knows what she's capable of. He sees the kind of person she is. He doesn't want that person going back after Luke. Right. And he's not above using people. No. I mean, he, 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 you know, we see in Clone Wars, we see him go this long period of time faking his own death to everybody, including Anakin. Because he's a big picture guy. Yeah. He's pragmatic. Right. And like I said, you know, his only real... The only thing that really matters to him right now is getting Leia home. Mm -hmm. Now, I think we're fixing to go back to Tatooine um, because good. I think he's just figured out uh, what's what's happening. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, I feel like it does burnish his, his, his luster a little bit, right. but it's also a very in keeping with his character kind of decision, I think. I think so. 
but it, it's it's kind of like you have this it's it's like it's like that's a little icky yeah like i said it could have worked if it had um either way you wind up with one of them is gone so my favorite thing about this episode is hands down uh vader vader is they have just, i mean he he's only there and I, I like that he doesn't i hope he shows up for a lot in this last episode mm -hmm. but like they've used vader but they haven't overused vader mm -hmm. but vader is terrifying um, I showed the kids, the kids were asking how the first Jedi Fallen Order game ends because they've mm -hmm. been watching me play, but haven't been able to keep up with the whole story as I've played. Mm -hmm. So they were asking how it ends. And so I just showed them the cutscene from the end and they were both just sitting there going, that's terrifying. Like when, when Vader comes out and that's one thing, um, whatever, you know, whatever you think about what Disney has done with Star Wars overall, mm -hmm. Disney's Darth Vader is terrifying. You know, and that was the the argument that people made when they went back and made the prequels. They're like, he was scary. Now you made him all like human. Yeah, but Darth Vader's still very scary. And I think that there's the I think that that's part of the reason they've made such a point. Like, oh no, no, no. Like we did, we saw that he used to be a good person, and now he's straight up the worst. Right. And uh, we in this one in in episode four we got him. Uh, They've used the shaky cam in a few places in this series where I thought it was unnecessary, but I love that shaky cam usage when Vader's storming into the um, into that hangar, yeah, and grabs Reva. Uh, I mean, like pure horror. Mm -hmm. And in this one, like in Jedi right. Fallen Order, when when Vader finally shows up, like nobody's a match. He's just toying with everybody. Absolutely, and. He and so we we he we do the same thing here, and I really was glad they did that. Um, he toys with everybody except everyone, he ain't playing with everyone, <laughs> right? Um, but you know, these inquisitors they're 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 no match for for Vader, they're no match for Vader or Obi Wan. And and we even see, like, when we go back to the to Rebels, I mean, we see Ahsoka just. We see Ahsoka and Maul wipe the floor with Inquisitors. Groups of them. Right. So uh, I love seeing him just toy with her. Mm -hmm. Like, he didn't even pull the lightsaber out. Like, he toys with her, just steps out of the way, pushes her back, finally takes her saber, snaps it in half, and throws half of it on the ground for her to pick up and makes her try to fight him. Mm -hmm. Um. I, and then we see him, we get to see this thing with, with him, you know, pulling that first ship, the, the decoy ship, you know, out of the sky as it tries to leave the hangar. And yeah. um, Vader is just scary. And that's great. That's awesome. That's like, if we're going to use Vader, mm -hmm. that's what he needs to be. Yeah. Got that Jedi Fallen Order moment where he pulls. <laughs> yeah. So... Not Fallen Order. Um, uh, the one with Starkiller. Force Unleashed. That one, yeah. Yeah. When Force Unleashed, and it's why Sam Witwer is always like, it shouldn't be made into a movie. I'm like, it should be made into a movie, but you just have to tone it down a little bit. Um, I want, I'm not going to lie, I want this to end with the reveal of A Secret Apprentice. Hopefully Starkiller. 
I'd love to see Sam Witwer in live action Star Wars. I mean, even at this point, if you cast somebody younger as the Secret Apprentice, and you know, in in the role, I mean, granted that game's been out a long time now. Yeah. Um, not he that still he looks could, exactly the same as he did. He did. He he could still do it. Like, um, but yeah, like I, that's something I really want to see here. Is that. You know, he's kind of, he's got the emperor on one side who he doesn't, who never really trusts. Mm-mm. And he's got, on the other side, he's got these inquisitors that would all like to take his spot. Mm-hmm. And it makes perfect sense in this world that they're building for him to take an apprentice. Mm-hmm. And I really thought for a little while that Riva was actually his secret apprentice. Hmm. Um, for the first few episodes. Yeah, that would have. That would attract. Um, And I, because I kind of thought, because, you know, the other inquisitors, like, you don't belong here. They don't really accept her. They don't Mm -hmm. like her. And, you know, it would have made a lot of sense for them to have done that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm glad, like, I'm glad that they left the door open to, to do that. And that they've set up a world where a secret apprentice makes a lot of sense because he needs somebody on his side. Yeah. Um, but is there anything else that you really liked about this episode or didn't or anything that you think is going to happen in this finale? Hmm. I mean, we finally got to see Vader and Obi-Wan really throw down, right? But it can't be on Tatooine. Like, I don't think... I think if Vader goes back to Tatooine, I feel like that. I feel like that kind of creates some believability issues with like the kid named Skywalker hiding out on Tatooine. Like, really? So they're being. He goes back to Tatooine and he never, like. I think the first thing we're going to deal with in this episode we already mentioned hyperdrive's not functioning on this ship and they're following us. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully it's not some slow chase where somebody has to go off to a casino planet to find somebody to help that doesn't help. Or Then we can have a race with the animals. Race some space horses. Yeah, we can race and... some space horses and get preached at a little bit. You know, <laughs> I really, I really did enjoy that movie, but it just had issues it has a lot of issues but they're they're doing this um you know they're they're he's gonna have to face off with vader before he ever gets to go back to tatooine yeah i think so he's got to face off with vader now like and then they're gonna have to go so he's gonna deal with vader first and then he's gonna have to go deal with reva yeah we're going to end in a some sort of uh, conflict with Reva. Uh, I kind of expect something. I expect her to die. And the thing is, if she's no if she's no competition for Vader, she's no competition for everyone either. Right. Like because we it's it's clear Obi Wan and Anakin are very well matched. But if anybody's going to win that fight, we haven't seen Obi Wan lose. No, I mean, we we exist in a world, you know, in this Star Wars world post episode three, where you have some surviving Jedi in the galaxy, but then you also have these sort of Mm undertrained wannabe Sith 
mm-hmm. that just aren't a match for a real Jedi or a real Sith Lord. No. And I think, like, if Reva really comes up against Obi-Wan, it's it's a real short story. Yeah. And I think the only reason that it doesn't end instantly is because he feels bad enough for her that he's going to try a, just a little bit to be like, come on, don't you want to do the right? Don't you want to, don't you want to give up? You know? Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm real curious to see, to see how this plays out, but um, I don't think I really have a lot else to mention. I really liked the episode. It's, Mm-hmm. There's not just a ton. It's a really nice, neat story from start to finish with a major arc that mirrors the fight mm-hmm. that we get pieces of throughout yeah. the the episode where you get to see Tala and her thermal detonator. Yeah. Which I feel was another really Star Wars moment. That was a very Star Wars moment. You know, it's like that 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 moment of self-sacrifice and redemption because like she's done terrible things Um, and this is her you know and she'll do anything to make it better i mean self-sacrifice you know sacrificing for other for others is is a running theme throughout all of star wars Mm -hmm. um, starting with with ben kenobi in 1977 so um yeah i'm i'm that's a that's a thing we've seen happen a lot um I'm really excited for this finale. I uh, I know there I know that there's some of you out there that just haven't liked this show, but I just I don't see the major I don't see the major continuity errors Mm-mm. that that I'm seeing claimed are in this show. No, and honestly, I feel like there are like like little like continuity with the two minutes that came before it issues but as far as like big picture yeah, continuity, there, there are a few i feel things. like it's been a real they have done a masterful job of making the big picture making this story fit into because the thing is we know where it starts we know where it ends we know that it ends with leia on alderaan luke in owen and baru's house and ben in his you know little shanty on Tatooine like we know where the story winds up and so to tell a compelling story when you know how it starts and you know how it ends it's always the trouble of telling a story in the middle Mm -hmm. and I think they've done a really good job of making it work no I think they've done telling a compelling like I said a compelling story when you know how it starts and you know how it ends that's that's a tall order yeah for sure um, but I'm enjoying it. Uh, we want to know what you thought about it. Uh, let us know in the comments below if you if you're loving it or not liking it, what you loved or what you didn't, or or what things that uh, we might should come back and talk about that we might have missed. Because um, as I've said before, it is always really hard to come back in and cover more than one episode of a show and keep it. Typically, we like to keep these under an hour, but we we missed. We did just a little bit. I mean, if you think of it as two episodes, then it's they're both under an hour. They're just all at one time. That's true. Um, anything else before we wrap up? I don't think so. I'm really excited for the finale. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. to see where they go, and I'm excited to see if you and McGregor was toying with us or if there will be a season two. Yeah, but uh stay tuned because Course Not Radio Underground is back on a regular schedule. 
I think there will be episodes out pretty much every week going forward. And maybe Star even Star Wars stuff coming. Maybe back even out. multiple episodes a week. I've yes. got several sitting here, uh, several ideas that we've got to finish fleshing out. We are in the middle of planning a Muppets, or I guess even more specifically, a Jim Henson mm-hmm. uh, episode or series on the science fictionary. But that's going to bleed over in a little bit of in-house crossover where we're going to talk about the creature shop in Star Wars. Yes, and we can't forget that. Like, was it wasn't it um, an ep- Muppets episode where Mark Hamill wore the spangly? Oh yeah, we will definitely talk about Mark Hamill on the Muppets, uh, gurgling Gershwin. Yes. For sure. It's important. So, yep. Important things. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for all of that and a whole lot more coming. So Absolutely. until next time, Marisha, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at princesses underscore and underscore Padawans. And I'm P Padawans on Twitter. Okay. And you can find me running the Twitter account for this show at what? You can find me running the Twitter account for this show at crew underscore podcast at C-R-U underscore podcast. You can drop us a line at Coruscant Radio Underground at gmail.com. And as always, reviews on any anywhere you listen to a podcast, any reviews you leave are always very helpful, both in helping other people find our show and helping us know what we did that you liked and what we might not have done that you would like for us to do or you know, maybe even things that you that we did that you just absolutely hated. Because um, we're the worst. We are. We're absolutely the worst. Palpatine's the worst. We're like just above Palpatine. Or below, depending on how depending on you're going. Right. Depending on how you sorted your um your right. chart. Is the worst at the bottom or is the worst at the top? I don't know. We'll let the we'll we'll let the people reviewing let the, the show tell decide. us. <laughs> All right, guys, but uh, it's been great. Let us know what you thought in the comments. And until next time, may the force be with you.